The reading is 2 Corinthians chapter 10, um, and it's on page 1165 of the Church Bibles. By the humility and gentleness of Christ, I appeal to you. I, Paul, who am timid when face to face to you, but bold towards you when away. I beg you that when I come, I may not have to be as bold as I expect to be towards some people who think that we live by the standards of the world. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And we will be ready to punish every act of disobedience once your obedience is complete. You are judging by appearances. If anyone is confident that they belong to Christ, they should consider again that we belong to Christ just as much as they do. So even if I boast somewhat freely about the authority the Lord gave us for building you up rather than tearing you down, I will not be ashamed of it. I do not want to be seen to be trying to frighten you with my letters, for some say his letters are weighty and forceful, but in person he is unimpressive and his speaking amounts to nothing. Such people should realise that what we are in our letters when we are absent, we will be in our actions when we are present. We do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves. When they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, not wise. We, however, will not boast beyond proper limits, but will confine our boasting to the sphere of service God himself has assigned to us, a sphere that also includes you. We're not going too far in our boasting, as would be the case if we had not come to you, for we did get as far as you with the gospel of Christ. Neither do we go beyond our limits by boasting of work done by others. Our hope is that as your faith continues to grow, our sphere of activity among you will greatly expand so that we can preach the gospel in the regions beyond you. For we do not want to boast about work already done in someone else's territory, but let the one who boasts boast in the Lord. For it is not the one who commends himself who is approved, but the one whom the Lord commends. Good. Well, do please keep that passage open. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Great to see you. I know lots of people are away on uh, Easter holidays. Lots of people watching online as well. Hello to you. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Let me just find it myself. And then uh, just before we look at that together, then we're going to pray. So if you're someone who prays, why don't you join me in praying? Now let's pray. Father God, thank you that as we meet here this afternoon, uh, we do so as your people. Thank you for your very grace and promise, uh, very great and precious promises, which give us everything that we need for, for life and godliness. Thank you for the promise of your presence in our midst when we meet together. You're here with us. Thank you that as we read the words of the Bible, that you say by your Spirit that you're addressing us personally and individually, that you will achieve your purpose in our lives. And we ask, Father, that would be our purpose, uh, that would be our experience here this afternoon. And we pray all these things in your name. Amen. Amen. 
Uh, well, just a simple question to start. Um, uh, are you good at boasting? Is this something that you're, that you're good at? Do you feel you're a particularly talented boaster? Uh, is that an area where, where you feel you're particularly strong? Boasting is, um, is sort of telling someone else how good you are at something, yeah? Um, I don't know if that's what you think uh, that you're good at. I mean, most of the time we think that, um, we think that boasting is a bad thing, don't we? Uh, I mean, particularly uh, if, you're a, if you're a Brit, or I think in Australia as well, the sort of tall poppy thing. I think boasting is very much sort of frowned on. Uh, no one likes it if you talk a lot, a lot about your achievements. You're supposed to be sort of self-deprecating. You're supposed to be modest. You're supposed to have good manners. You're supposed to downplay your achievements all the time. That's what you're taught to do. You know, um, yes, I won Wimbledon, but it was, it was just, just a Sunday hit-around, really. Um, I mean, I was surprised as anyone when they gave me the plate at the end of the, end of the tournament. Who'd have thought it? <laughs> Not really me at all. But then sometimes talking about your achievements is a good thing, isn't it? There are, there are times when it is right to talk about your, your achievements. Uh, there, there's a, a right kind of boasting, if, if you want to call it that. So I know that some people here have had job interviews in the last couple of weeks. A few people had job interviews, I know. And um, you can't completely avoid boasting in that situation, can you? If, if you're in a job interview, uh, you know, so Jeremy, what, did, what degree did you get? Oh, it was nothing really. Honestly, I can hardly remember what it was. Um, that wouldn't be very appropriate in the midst of a job interview. But if people would think that was a bit strange, it's, it's absolutely right to talk about your achievements in, in a job interview, but we get a bit more edgy about it when it happens in day-to-day -day conversation. What I'm saying is that there's, there's a right way to boast and a right place to boast, and there's a wrong way to boast. And that's one of the points that Paul's making in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, because this part of the Bible has plenty to say about boasting. I don't know if you noticed that when Felicity was reading it. Have a look down at chapter 10, verse 8. Chapter 10, verse 8. This is what Paul says. Writing to the Corinthian church, so even if I boast somewhat freely about the authority the Lord gave us for building you up rather than tearing you down, I'll not be ashamed of it. That's what he says. Or um, boasting comes back, for instance, in, in verse 12. Can you see what he says? We, however, will not boast beyond the proper limits, but will confine our boasting to the sphere of service God himself has assigned to us, a sphere that also includes you. There's such a thing as right and wrong boasting. It, Paul is the kind of apostle, do you remember, who sort of ministers in weakness. He, he, he sort of planted the Corinthian church in, in weakness, really. Do you remember he was the apostle who despaired of life? And he, and he went, he said back in, in chapter 4, he went a bit like a sort of cheap plastic cup overflowing with treasure. Uh, he was the sort of disposable bit. And, and, and it was the news of Jesus Christ that he was carrying. He said he went back um, to the Corinthian church later on with fear and much trembling. <laughs> uh, he's, he's, he's weak. He despairs of life sometimes. But now as he writes back to the church, 
uh, it seems like some other leaders have come in about 18 months after, after Paul left, and, and they're quite boastful in a bad way. Okay, they, they, think that they're, they think that they're a cut above. And so in, in this last section of the letter, uh, chapters 10 to 13, Paul sounds quite fierce. He sounds a bit like he's telling them off as if he's trying to make a point, as if he's trying to assert himself. He's telling them to, uh, to step away from these new leaders uh, for, the, for their own spiritual safety. But as he does that, he sort of shows us what good boasting looks like. He says, you, you, you don't want to boast like these new leaders, that, that's bad boasting. But let me show you what good boasting is, and that's boasting in the Lord. That's really what he's saying in chapter 10. So if, if you're at work tomorrow or on the ward or at the school gate, at the nursery, and someone asks you what church was about today, you can say you were learning how to boast. Okay, that, that's a good summary of where we're going to go this afternoon. Because, um, because good boasting begins where the power is. It begins where the power is. And that's really the first of our two points this afternoon. You'll see it up on the screen. Uh, demolition man, that's Paul. He's a demolition man. Respecting the apostles' powerful words. That's really the first half of the chapter. Respecting the apostles' powerful words. Have a look down at verse 4. It's a, it's a key verse, I think. Verse 4. This is what Paul says. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, he says, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. And the power is in, is in the apostles' words. It, it's a bit like the dynamite in the demolition technician's toolkit. Okay, that's, that's the explosive, is, um, is in Paul's words. Uh, where we live, just the other side of the, of the Pentaville Road, there's a big uh, block of flats. And um, they're just about to demolish it, actually. Uh, it's called the New Barnsbury Estate. Do you know that? Just, just opposite us, Copenhagen Street. It's literally opposite our house. Uh, I was talking to someone not long ago who lives there, actually. And uh, as I waved goodbye, I said, um, we'll see you soon. And, uh, and they said to me, well, I'll see you because our flat looks straight into your bedroom. <laughs> it's worth knowing that kind of thing, isn't it? It's quite an important piece of information. Um, but they, they're going to demolish these flats later on this year. And I imagine they'll be doing three things, okay? I'm no demolition technician, but I imagine they're going to be doing three things. First, they're going to put up warning notices. And, uh, and the Apostle Paul is no different. Have a look at the top of page 1165. Can you see his warning? Uh, let me read verses 1 and 2. By the humility and gentleness of Christ, I appeal to you, I, Paul, who am timid when face to face with you, but bold towards you when away, I beg you that when I come, I may not have to be as bold as I expect to be towards some people who think that we live by the standards of this world. All kinds of ways that these bad boasters, if I can put them like that, have been trying to undermine Paul. He, he doesn't want to have to confront the church when he, when he comes to see them. 
But he's warning them, you see, he's warning them uh, to step away from these new leaders who, who are worldly. But it, it's, it's such a humble and such a, such a personal warning. Uh, and it comes with the humility and the gentleness of Jesus. Um, never despise a warning that comes from a gentle and humble leader like Jesus. Never despise a warning like that. So when they demolish those flats, they're going to put up a warning notice, and then they'll set the explosives very carefully. That's the second thing they're going to do. And, and Paul does something similar in verse 5. Have a look at what Paul is looking to demolish and how carefully he wants that demolition to happen. Verse 5, Paul says, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Such a controlled explosion because it's meant to demolish all of our pride. Can you see that? All of our pride. That's what the explosives are set against. All those things that that stop us sort of submitting ourselves unreservedly to God, all those things that prevent us from saying, okay, God, just just take it all. Tell me me what to do. I'm, I'm yours. I belong to you. I'm not going to hold anything back. But there's something that stops us from doing that, isn't there? Um, it's, a, it's a sort of self-reliance. You know, we want to do things ourselves. Don't we? It's a sort of self-reliance that, that makes us think that the cross where Jesus died is a nice thing to remember. But it's, it's not the only thing that can rescue us. It's not our only hope in the world. We can probably get out of the mess that we're in on our own. In short, this explosive is set against all of our wrong boasting, you see, in our own abilities, uh, in, in our own potential that we feel to save ourselves. And what will it leave us with? Um, what does it say? Thoughts captive to Christ. Our minds that are brought back to the, to the cross of Jesus all the time, that depend on it, that revolve around it they have it have it as their center of gravity thoughts like that i want to live this week like that don't you so our warning a controlled explosion and then um what are they going to do with the flats opposite us uh well they're going to build them up again i mean you can see the plans online they look absolutely fantastic uh it's going to be a massive massive new building project and and that's paul's intention too have a look down at Chapter 10, verse 8. Uh, Paul says that's the point of his demolition. Uh, He says he can boast somewhat freely because of the, uh, second line, because of the authority the Lord gave us for building you up rather than tearing you down. So he's demolishing false thoughts and proud thoughts, but he wants to build them up better and stronger and more obedient. That's his, um, that's his intention. Uh, you know, it, it's, um, it's funny watching church leaders. They're, they're, really, they're a funny bunch. Uh, I've hung out with them uh, for a little while now. And um, if, you enjoy, if you enjoy people watching like I do, then, uh, then church leaders make an interesting sort of study 
I'm sure there's someone somewhere saying that about me, um, probably in the next church. Um, some take the warm, sort of fuzzy approach. You know, you can't do anything wrong. They just, you can't upset them. It's all good. They're just completely lovely. Um, other people um, take the stern, disapproving approach. You know, you always feel that you've slightly disappointed them. Um, so sort of let them down. You could always have done better. You know, Paul could have taken either of those approaches in the book of 2 Corinthians, couldn't he? Uh, he could have said, um, don't worry, guys. Um, it's all good. You know, let's just say it's water under the bridge. Um, or he could have torn them off a strip. But he doesn't do either of those things. Um, he, remember, he knows that he's the weak apostle. Um, he's going to say just over the page that God's power is made perfect in his weakness. One of the key verses in, in the whole of 2 Corinthians. He knows, in other words, that the power doesn't come from him. Which is why he can't stop talking about the cross. That's the, that's the, that's the transformation. That's the treasure in the cheap plastic cup. He preaches Christ crucified, and that is explosive. That is what demolishes the pride in our hearts. You know, empty. We come to the cross with empty hands. None of our own achievements. And we just let's say simply to the cross I, I cling. Nothing, nothing I bring. Because it, what do I realize when I come to the cross of Jesus Christ? I realize that my own cleverness and my own resources can't, can't save me, but the humility and the gentleness of Jesus Christ can. And it teaches me obedience in the way that no amount of disapproval ever will. And it, it makes my thoughts captive to Christ. That's what I want. And that's why a Trinity will want to return often to the authoritative words of the Apostle. It, it'll teach us all about the cross of Jesus Christ. It'll be full of, 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 of his humility, but it'll break down our our self-reliance, and it'll take us to the cross where we're forgiven, where Jesus dies for us, where he says, come and bring me all your sin and I'll give you all of my goodness, all of my righteousness. Um, please, if, if you haven't discovered, discovered it yet, start at the cross of Jesus Christ. That's where you start. If you want to find out about Christianity, find out how it releases you from the performance trap. Um, how it gives you a value that nothing can take away from you. Um, how it gives you a freedom from guilt that nothing else can provide. That's the place that you start. It is explosive. It's transformative. And that's why here at Trinity we'll want to teach the words of the apostle. You'll want to teach them, knowing that word ministry, word ministry about the cross is the unleashing of divine power that's how it happens. That's the first point then. Respect the apostles' powerful words that demolish strongholds. But because of that, you see, Paul uh, wants to teach the Corinthian church and he wants to teach us how to boast rightly. And that's our, that's our second and, and only other point Good boasting, longing for the Lord's commendation. Good boasting. What does that look like? 
Um, do you want to know the key verse? I think, um, I think it comes in verse 9. Verse 9. Um, sorry, that's not right, actually. Verse um, 17. Let the one who boasts boast in the Lord. Verse 17. Let the one who boasts boast in the Lord. Uh, because there's a lot of bad boasting that goes on, isn't there? There's a lot of bad boasting. It uh, goes on quite a lot in, in rap music. I don't know. Um, anyone remember the Beastie Boys 1998 classic, Putting Shame in Your Game? Anyone, anyone buy that single? Just me, I think. Yeah. Beastie Boys, Putting Shame in Your Game. One of the worst piece of boasting, I think, in, in recorded musical history. This is what Ad Rock, who you know is the lead singer in the Beastie Boys, um, raps. Oh, you have to imagine the, the rhythm. He says, um, well, I'm the king of Boggle. There is none higher. I get 11 points off the word quagmire. That's not, that's not great boasting, is it, really, for a rap musician? There's a lot of bad boasting that goes on. Um, and there's a lot of bad boasting that goes on in Christian circles too, actually. Um, a lot of people try and score points off each other. Sad, isn't it, in, in, in the Christian life? Talk about the churches. You know, I, I, my church is in central London. Actually, it's in, uh, it's in zone one. It's, it's quite full of young professionals. Uh, we've, got some, we've got some great people there. We sent off a graft, actually, uh, just a few years ago to another church, we thought we should send off some, some of our people. Uh, we've got two people who are fashion designers. Can you believe that? Um, and um, uh, our sister minister is like a professional jazz trumpeter. It's quite, quite a good church. Um, it's easily done, isn't it? As a friend of mine said, all of us become our own public relations managers in the end. So careful. Because it, it, it sort of says what we want to be known for, doesn't it? Um, shows us the things that really matter to us, what we really value. We boast about the things that, that I guess, implicitly, we're saying are important. We need to be so careful. Well, the people boasting badly in Corinth, people commending themselves. Uh, you see that down in uh, verse 12. They become their own public relations managers. They're commending themselves. And Paul says, you've got to step away for your own health. You've got to step away from those people. Please do that. I don't want to have to come and, come and confront you. But as Paul says that, he, he describes good boasting. Uh, he says what good boasting looks like. Three pointers to, to good boasting uh, that he mentions as he goes through just briefly. First of all, it accepts the limits that God has given. Have a look down at verse 13. Verse 13. Can you see it down there? We, however, will not boast beyond proper limits, but will confine our boasting to the sphere of service God himself has assigned to us, a sphere that also includes you. So he, he's saying, I'm, I'm just going to talk about the things that God has actually done through me, including planting the, planting the Corinthian church. Boasting, good boasting, accepts the limits that God's given. 
Um, sometimes we would love God to have done more through us than he has, don't we? We'd love that. And um, we'd love to have more on our spiritual CV, uh, to have achieved more for the Lord sometimes. It's okay, says Paul. You don't, you don't have to boast of what God has done through you. The, the Lord has set the limits over your life. He, he's sovereign in that. It's okay. There's, pl- there's plenty for you to boast about that the Lord's done in you and, and through you. Stick to that. You, you don't have to make up stories of great spiritual conquests. You know, we need to be content with what God's seen to, seen to do through our lives. That's okay. That's good boasting. The Lord has done through us what he wanted to do through us. And that's good. Good boasting accepts the limits that God has given. And then um, good boasting always thinks about the outsider. Did you notice that? Have a look at the, uh, at the right-hand column on page 1165, halfway across that column top line, where it says, our hope is that. This is what Paul says. Our hope is that as your faith continues to grow, Corinthians, our sphere of activity among you will greatly expand so that we can preach the gospel in the regions beyond you. Um, you know, but people who want to boast in themselves, um, bad boasters, proud people, well, they'll, they'll look for positions of power within the church. Uh, they'll be frustrated that they're not in positions of leadership sometimes. But people who understand right boasting will, will, be, will be out there on the margins. You know, there's no lack of people that we might want to share the, the gospel with. Um, people like that, good boasters, will be sharing the gospel with their unbelieving friends. They'll be boasting about the cross at, at the work dinner and at the school gate. They'll be saying, you would not believe what God's done in my life. Um, because good boasting, thirdly, wants all the glory to go to Jesus. Can you see that in verse 17? I've already read it out, but I'll read it out again. Let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Footnote Jeremiah 9.24. James has already referred that referred us to those verses. Do have a look later on and see the full extent of that quote. Let him who boasts boast in the Lord. Because he's weak, you see. He's a weak apostle. But he knows that God's power is made perfect in his weakness. And uh, so he'll boast in the Lord even more. Uh, we're going to finish in just a second. Let me just give you two principles to take into the week with you and then give you one question to think about. Okay, just, just as we finish. Two principles. The first one's this. Build people up with the cross. Build people up with the cross of Jesus Christ because that's where the power is. That's where the power is. I remember chatting with someone uh, a few years ago, not someone who's around at Trinity at the moment, and uh, they were feeling quite down about themselves, they were struggling. Uh, they had quite a low opinion of themselves, I think. Uh, they were struggling to see um, the kind of person that they were, the kind of person that God had made them. And, and, and I was trying to encourage them. And my, 
My immediate reaction was to say, but I think you're great. I think you're fantastic. Um, here are all the things that I like about you. Um, now, that's not a bad thing to do, but can you see how I was making them dependent on me? I, I was sort of making their sense of value de dependent on, on my good opinion. Um, and so the next time they felt bad, they might come back to me and, and, and I'd, I'd have to, you know, pick them up again. That's dangerous, isn't it? Build people up with the cross. That's where the value is. That's where the change comes from. That's the explosive. That's where transformation comes. As people come to see the Lord Jesus Christ dying on the cross. In, in the apostles' words, Christ crucified. That's where the change comes. Second, boast often in Jesus. Boast often in Jesus. I've got a friend called um, Andy Nichols. Um, he's a great guy. We, we, um, we meet up each summer. We sometimes go and see a concert or something. And we were, we were walking back um, South Kensington Tube. Uh, we just were sort of walking along in silence. Um, and he just suddenly burst out. I mean, we were both quite tired. It was the end of a, end of a great night. And he said, Jeremy, it's just ridiculous that God should have saved us. I always remember that. It's a great thing to say, isn't it? Based often in the Lord Jesus Christ. At, 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 at the work dinner, at the school gates, to the outsider, boast often about the Lord Jesus Christ. But one question I want you to think about now, just for 20 or 30 seconds, think about this. Whose approval do you seek, really? Just think about that quietly. Um, who do you really want to think well of you? How do you rate God's concern for you in your life? I take it that if you want to be like the Apostle Paul, then what will matter more to you than anything else, more than any other measure in your life, will be knowing the commendation, the approval of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. by the Spirit we can pray to him and we're going to do that now so why don't we pray as we finish let's pray let the one who boasts boast in the Lord Father God thank you that the weapons that Paul fought with were not the weapons of the world this weak apostle could proclaim the transformative and explosive power of, of the gospel. Um, that it was neither his approval or disapproval which would have transformed the Corinthian church, uh, but the news of a man who died on the cross uh, for our sins. And so, Father, I pray that we would boast in him. Uh, I pray, Father, you give us opportunities this week to delight in Jesus and to talk about him. Thank you, Father, that he died for us. And so we ask, Father, that we would seek his approval, that we would want to be the one whom the Lord commands, 
uh, that we would learn good boasting. Uh, boasting which points to the achievement of the Lord Jesus Christ on our behalf that saves us and saves us for eternity. And we ask these things in his name. Amen.